If you asked most people what separates great leaders from the average one, they probably tell you that it's due to their intelligence, confidence, charisma, strength, or something the like. But over the many years that I've spent as a coach helping new and mid-level managers become great leaders, I've actually realized that the truth about good leadership comes down to skills and behaviors that are way less showy and obvious than the ones just listed. And that's what we're going to dive into this episode of the Manager Track podcast. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. Like I said in the beginning, this is about the often overlooked traits that separate great leaders from the rest. So when you let go of the image of what makes you look like a great leader, like the charisma and the confidence and having answers to all questions, you can then actually start to focus on the traits that will allow you to build the right environment where you can act with that confidence, make bold decisions be laser focused in achieving the results that you want and supporting your team with compassion. Now, I already gave you a bit of a sneak peek into what we're going to talk about in this podcast, but those traits are the things that people love about their leaders. And it is what will make them want to work for you. It's what's going to increase loyalty. And especially in a time like this, where we're hearing that term great resignation all the time, because so many people are ready to move. They're getting poached by headhunters. And basically anyone who's doing a great job is being invited to interview rounds, likely has alternative opportunities. And even if you can't trump those other opportunities with better pay and increased bonuses or increased titles, your ability to lead, coach, challenge them and make them better humans and better employees will be what keeps them with you versus them leaving and going elsewhere, even if they got better pay in a different position. And I truly believe that especially in a time like this, it will show whether or not your leadership is up to par or if you are an average leader or below average leader because people will quit if they don't have that sense of loyalty, support, compassion and flexibility. But most of all, the respect that they all want to have for their leaders. If you're not showing up in a way where they respect you and want to work for you, 
you will likely feel the ramifications. Because it's pretty easy during times of sunshine and rainbows and magical unicorns. But then when things get rough, when it's stormy weather, when there's competition, there's war on talent, when there's challenging times in the workplace, especially for those of you who are going back to the office, that is going to be another phase of change. Or if you're in a high growth environment and you're absorbing a lot of stress, especially moving into the last quarter of the calendar year, then those are the stormy seasons. And it's during those times that your leadership matters most. Now, I want to share with you that the list, and I want to let you know that this list isn't exhaustive. And also, no two leaders are the same. But these are the traits that I have found to make the biggest difference in the clients that I've worked with and the leaders that I study, be this current day leaders or leaders that have led empires and have achieved great things, including presidents, military leaders, corporate leaders, leaders of big movements and so forth. I found these key traits to be often overlooked, yet I see them critical to their success. And a few of them might actually surprise you. So as we're diving into these six traits, I encourage you to not just listen passively, but really think about how you rank yourself in each of those six traits. Give it a scale from one to 10, with one being super poor, don't do any of that, and 10, I'm a real badass at this. And then let's say you put yourself at a six or a seven, what could you do to dial it up a notch and get to an eight or a nine. What specifically do you need to do so that you walk away not just with new insight, but also with a few ideas on how you can improve your leadership right away. So the first one is courage. Now, most people have a set of values that they live by, right? But how many of us can really say that we'll stick to them no matter what, even when the going gets tough or it doesn't work in our favor? right? That commitment and sticking with it, even when it gets tough, requires some serious courage because the average person would want to do what the majority does. They want to go along with everyone else's opinion. They don't want to create a scene. And so contrary to popular opinion, being a leader isn't about shouting the loudest and bossing everyone around. It's about having good judgment, which we're going to talk about later in number four, and being courageous enough to speak up and stand up in a way that influences others, even when it feels very uncomfortable to do so. So when everyone else is following the trend or doing what everyone else is doing or repeating other people's opinions, it is courage that will distinguish the leader who just follows others, maybe has the title of a leader, but doesn't show up like a courageous leader. And it's actually interesting, even if you're in a group of people who disagree with you initially, if you make a bold decision, we tend to respect those people, those leaders who have the courage to speak their mind no matter what. As long as the delivery is right, people will instinctively recognize courage, integrity, and honesty as a sign of leadership. For example, if you're at a conference, online or in person, and there is a panel conversation and then they open up questions to the public or the audience. Those people who get up and they ask a challenging question or maybe present an opposing view to what's being discussed and maybe even agreed on on that panel. If their delivery is right and respectful and professional, 
people will turn to them and say like, wow, that was courageous. That was bold. I'm curious about them. I respect them for standing up and asking the tough question that many of us maybe have thought about, but we didn't lift our butts, raise our hands, and then get the mic and say it out loud. So that's what courage is all about. The second one is compassion. So there's a common myth, especially for more traditional leaders, that we, le- that we live in this dog-eat-dog kind of world and only the most ruthless dogs will rise to the top. So while it's true that life is often competitive and it requires the ability to be ruthless when necessary, but that doesn't include being ruthless to human beings, which is very important, and acting that way all the time, obviously, will quickly turn into a toxic environment and people will turn against you so for you to truly be respected as a leader and liked as a leader and I would also dare to say that for you to feel authentic and feel good about your leadership and the relationships that you cultivate in the workplace compassion goes a very long way So looking for ways to put yourself in the shoes of others when it comes to conflict, when it comes to opposition, or when confusion or uncertainty or even stress and anxiety arises, and then going out of your way to help those around you make progress and overcome challenges is an invaluable asset to any leader. I say true leaders, especially in the current work environment and in the future work environment, we see this actually as we're looking at the sort of the needs and the desires of new generations entering the workplace, leaders who have a human-centered approach will do way better than those who have a dominant result-focused or control and direct type of leadership approach. And to add on, I actually think it's often the leader's compassion and their desire to serve their team that brings out the best in others, which then gives those compassionate leaders the motivation to step up and take on the leadership role in the first place, even if that comes with a lot of responsibilities and an additional stress. It is that compassion and wanting to impact, positively impact others and bring out the best in them that sparks their calling let's say so that's number two number three is focus if you ask any successful person what made them successful chances are pretty high that they'll tell you some variation of focus great leaders winning leaders don't drift through life saying yes to everything that comes their way and doing whatever they feel like on a given day True leaders, highly effective leaders have razor sharp focus and they're not afraid to say no to things that fall outside of their swim lane. And so focus comes down to choosing a goal or a vision that you want to work toward and being prepared to do whatever it takes to get there. It means delegate tasks to others. It also means to hire people that are smarter than you in certain areas so that you can really focus on what you're best at and how you can add most value. It also means to decline requests, to say no, to prioritize rigidly and to do so for your entire team. Um, If you're leading, it's really important for you to be focused in terms of your planning, your strategy and your goals and in your day-to-day 
but also to have a very focused team. So you communicating what to focus on, what to not focus on. You're constantly sort of like reining people back in to make sure we're all pulling in the same direction and we're laser focused to the extent that you can influence that for your team and to continuously prioritize and reprioritize. That's like a circle that never stops spinning. So we had courage, compassion, we had focus. And now let's talk about trait number four, which is to develop broad wisdom. So I've already placed courage as one of my top leadership skills, but speaking your truth, speaking up and sharing your ideas is way more useful if your ideas are worth sharing and based on knowledge and your ability to connect the dots. And so that's where possessing broad wisdom comes into play. So like I said, this comes down to having a broad knowledge base that goes beyond your own industry and company and maybe even job or department and field of expertise. Instead, it means to learn from other businesses in different sectors, from things that are universal, even looking at history, looking at science, reading biographies and so forth so that you can learn from successes and failures of the past so that you can pick up on trends, you can spark your creativity and innovation by looking at what others are doing. That's often how some of the best products or tools or solutions are developed is by looking at how something is done in a completely different field and then trying to see how this can be applied in your business. It may also come from learning from past history and experiences that we can now look back and say, okay, this worked out really well. This didn't work out well. So let's see how we can learn from this and stand on other people's shoulders versus trying to reinvent things over and over. And so, of course, you need to have some sense of what's going on in the news. And you can listen to podcasts like this one or watch YouTube videos or LinkedIn courses on a range of different topics. But I'd say the best method, at least in my view, is to read classical books, including biographies, historical books, ancient philosophical texts. There's a quote from Truman that says, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers and I 100% subscribe to this and I think that cultivating this broad wisdom and then being able to pull from these different fields industries and genres is what separates a great leader from the rest number five is preparation yes it may not be the most glamorous trade around because planning I get it it can be tedious and a lot of people aren't willing to do it because they'd rather convince themselves that their intuition or winging it will get them through it. They'd rather get busy getting stuff done and responding to emails or Slack messages than to plan ahead. But as a leader, it is within your responsibility to plan ahead, not only by setting the strategy and setting the goals, but also to plan ahead for when things hit the fan and don't go as planned. You want to be the one who looks at what are the biggest risks in our team, what could happen, what can we do to mitigate the risks, and if those things actually do come to fruition, what will we do? What's going to be our plan B? I live about 10 minutes north of San Francisco, which is a big earthquake zone. And so for us to prepare for the earthquake, that is one way to mitigate risks. We all know this is where we live. This is a huge risk. 
we're preparing, schools are preparing with earthquake drills. We have the earthquake backpacks. My kids know exactly what to do if there's an earthquake, where we will meet, where we will go, what to grab if you had to leave the house, what will we do if there's an earthquake at night. We prepare for these scenarios, we plan what to do, and we, and we practice doing it. And it's the same thing in a workplace. Look for those key risks. It is on you as the leader to carve out the time in your day and have a conversation with your team to identify the key risks, mitigate them, and then prepare a plan for what you'll do in case that worst case scenario would actually happen. That, by the way, also includes smaller things like what will you do if a team member quits? Run through this scenario with every single team member. What if they don't show up tomorrow? What will you do? What will happen? How can you mitigate some key risks? How can you prepare? What if your product launch goes wrong? What if there's a delay? What if you have a big presentation and your internet connection goes out? So think not just the big, huge, like earthquake kind of things, but also the smaller risks and make sure you plan ahead. So this idea of preparation, not only will you act more effectively and actually make better decisions in a moment because you thought ahead, it will also make it a lot easier for you to stay cool, calm, and composed during stressful situations because you've started to practice to plan ahead and to come up with plan Bs while your rational, logical brain is in charge, not while emotions are running high because you're in a high stress situation. That's usually not when we make the best decisions. And if we read our emotions around the show, we're definitely not the cool, calm, collected leader that you might want to be. So preparing ahead is huge. The sixth and final trait that I think is hugely important, I'm pretty passionate about, but it gets so often overlooked, is emotional responsibility. Which means that you want to learn to manage your emotions and hold yourself responsible for your emotions instead of blaming them on other people or on external factors. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, then you know what I'm talking about and you know how important I think this is. So let's take an example. If you get angry because someone in your team sends an important email to the wrong person, then that anger is not on them. That anger is on you. Now, you can feel anger. You got all kinds of reasons to feel anger. It's totally, you can feel all kinds of things, but reacting emotionally after the fact and having an emotional outburst will 100% be counterproductive. We don't act our smartest and best selves when emotions run the show. And it can quickly, super quickly erode trust and respect that you've built over time with your team members. So emotional outbursts or even like lingering emotions that are taking over your thoughts and your feelings and therefore your actions day in and day out or just too frequently where you notice they're ineffective that is on you developing emotional responsibility is a skill like any other skill it's just that most of us have never even realized that it's a skill or then we do and we say like oh this is emotional intelligence but then it seems really hard to do it if you're not naturally born that way. And, and many of us say like, well, I'm just rough around the edges or I am just a passionate person or I am just an emotional person and it's authentic of me to be emotional and I want to bring my full self to work. That is a complete, in my view, complete misuse and misinterpretation of what it means to be authentic and to bring your full self 
to work. That's not what it means. It's highly counterproductive, especially for leaders because of the consequences um, and the ramifications on your team and the relationship that you have with them. Leaders are not victims to other people's actions, decisions, or to external circumstances. That also, of course, doesn't mean that you become a doormat. All it means is that you are taking control over your emotions versus them running the show. And you'll most certainly receive more respect by doing so and not less. Now, the last point on this, when you develop emotional responsibility, it not only will make you a more respected, liked, and effective leader, it will also increase your well-being. Because when we think about burnout or exhaustion, it is more often than not the emotional load that we carry that feels so exhausting. The anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the resentment, the overwhelm, the perceived stress or uncertainty about certain things, the self-doubts too, those are the things that are wearing us out. So you taking charge and developing emotional responsibility is a skill that will help you in all areas of your life, including your obviously emotional, but also your mental and even physical well-being. So that sums up the six often overlooked traits that separate great leaders from the rest. So we talked about courage, we talked about compassion, we talked about focus, developing broad wisdom, being prepared, and emotional responsibility. That's my list of the six traits. I hope you found them helpful, and I hope you gave yourself a rating on each of them between one doing a really poor job and 10 I'm amazing at this where would you land and what can you do to just bump it up by one or two on that scale because you're a smart person and I know for you to get that intellectually that's not the problem here right the real challenge is to be able to genuinely embody them and live by them and not let your ego deceive yourself in situations and not finding excuses for why any of these won't work in your position or why you don't have time to do it. If you have thoughts like this running your head right now, it's totally normal. Because what I'm saying is, look for ways to change. And a human brains don't want to change. They like patterns. They like doing the same because what you did so far kept you alive right? So your brain is like, do what you did in the past. You're still alive today. So that must be good. Don't change because change is risky. But those thoughts and those concerns don't mean that we need to listen to them. It's just a natural occurrence of what our brain does. And now it's on you to choose who you want to be, how you want to show up as a leader. And in fact, how much you want to invest in your leadership growth. If you haven't received any proper leadership training, if you've never worked with a leadership coach before, then ask yourself, how much is this worth to me? How much does it matter to me to become the leader that I want to be, to show up for my team that way, to have impact in the organization, to set myself up for success? And that includes promotions and financial rewards. Are you doing the work? Are you investing in yourself and in your career? If your career is important at this point in your life, then investing in yourself and finding ways to help you develop leadership traits like the ones I just listed is going to be a very smart choice. Now, I'd love to know which of those six traits caught your attention the most and maybe in which one of those are you not at the level that you want to be email me at contact at ramonashaw.com I read all emails I respond to all emails and if you think it would be valuable for us to jump on a call 
chat about it and see how I might be able to help you. Then schedule a call at ramonashaw.com forward slash apply. I'll make sure to drop the link in the show notes. But I love hearing from listeners because every time I record the podcast, I'm actually looking at my camera as if I was on a Zoom call and people were on the other side and no one's watching me. I'm just staring at a lens. So whenever I get emails after publishing an episode, I love reading them. And today I'm so curious, which of those six resonated with you most? Email me at contact at RamonaShaw.com. Thanks so much for listening and have a fabulous rest of your week. Take good care. Bye-bye. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.